I'm Will Fulton, and this is Thrillist Explorers. Hey everyone, it's Will. Before we start today's episode, I just want to thank all of you out there who listened to us and supported us this year and let you know we're taking a quick break from the road, but we will be back on January 6th. And if you enjoyed anything you've heard here over the past few months, please drop us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts or maybe tell a friend about the show or maybe do both and it will count as my Christmas and birthday present this year. A double whammy. But anyway, until then, we put together a Christmas special episode to help put you in the holiday spirit. It's full of Yuletide cheer, and it's starting right now. Okay, happy holidays. Thanks again. See you next year. All right. Out here in Diker Heights, it's still early, but the crowd is growing by the mi- Oops, sorry. The crowd is growing by the minute. If there's anywhere in America where the glowing, electric bill surging excess of holiday cheer is on full display, it might be here in a small neighborhood in Brooklyn that 11 months out of the year looks pretty normal. But tonight, Diker Heights might as well be Times Square because of the oppressive crowds and the ridiculous Griswold level light displays. Giant believe sign, a hundred thousand lights, a ton of life-size nutcrackers, a massive crowd outside already. I, I just wonder what it would be like to actually live here. Uh... I didn't have to wonder for too long. We found the person who does live there. Hey, what's going on, Frank? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, how many people good. are outside of your house right now? Right now, I would have to say probably every bit of a hundred people. <laughs> yeah. Last night was really, uh, last night had to be one of the busiest nights I, I've ever seen it. Frank Mangano lives at 1023 83rd Street, and his house is easily one of, if not the, brightest and most heavily decorated in the neighborhood. That's one of the most popular questions is the electric bill. And, you know, a lot of people think that it goes through the roof. Now, I'll tell you right now, Will, it definitely, it, it goes up, but it, it pretty much will double for, for, the, for the month. And, you know, I have all, all of these, all, every, all the lights and everything I have is, uh, these are LEDs. So they're a little bit lighter on the electric. So this year it took us about four weeks. So... Four weeks to put everything up. I don't do this all alone. You know, I have my own team that helps me. And, it, and it's an ongoing project too, Will. I mean, to give you an example, tomorrow we're actually adding some more stuff outside. So I saw some soldiers over the weekend, had to have them, got them. So tomorrow we're going to put them out, light them up. So it's just kind of an ongoing process. How do you know when you're done <laughs> decorating? You know, like, how do you know? How, how is it like, okay, we're good. Now we can stop. I never get to that point, Will. You know, this this is a tradition which, you know, it's gotten the nickname Diker Lights. It's a tradition that, that started, I believe, in the 1980s. And, you know, there was a house that went pretty crazy with it. And then it just started to catch on. On, on a given night, I mean, I would say easily a few thousand people 
you know, four or five thousand people, if not if not more than that. You know, there's something magical about about just looking at lights and seeing the lights. I just think that, and I, for, for me, that's really the main reason why I do it is because I know it brings happiness to so many people. You know, I could just stand outside in, in my driveway and I could just see thousands of people come by, everybody smiling, laughing. So, you know, if you're having a bad day, you come and see the lights, it, it changes that. Do some of your neighbors who don't decorate, are they ever like, oh God, this is so bright, I, I need extra shades on my bedroom window or something? Yeah, no, I mean, pretty much, you know, for the most part, you know, I would say majority of my block decorates and a lot of the, the houses are lit up. So I think it's just kind of expected at, at this point. Everyone knows that uh, I'm really going to be uh, lighting up during the month of December. Even though Diker Heights is a much deeper cut than the Rockefeller Plaza Christmas tree or seeing the Rockettes, it's still a pretty famous destination in the tri-state area. So before we get too deep into Christmas all over the country, I wanted to get deeper into how New York celebrates Christmas. It's great, man. Good all stuff. the holiday shopping here down in this street, man. Uh, 125th Street filled with Christmas cheer. Neil Schumacher runs Harlem Heritage Tours, a series of guided tours through Harlem. And during the holiday season, he organizes a Christmas-themed tour through one of the city's most historic and celebrated neighborhoods. He even wears a backpack with a built-in speaker that plays famous Christmas songs while you walk around. And where the park ends is where Harlem begins. It goes all the way up to 165th Street, the likes of Langston Hughes and County Cullen and Duke Ellington and Sarah Vaughan and various others making Harlem their creative domain. Imagine 1943, at 17 years old, Malcolm X comes to Harlem for the first time, never knowing that one day his name would be on street signs. This boulevard here, Malcolm X Boulevard, the one over, one to the west is Adam Clayton Powell Jr. Boulevard. We're gonna end on 125th Street, Dr. King Boulevard, right down the block there. People who we now know on a first name basis. Back then, they were not known practically at all. The tour concludes with a Christmas Carol concert at the Harlem Heritage Center, featuring Harlem's own Peter Wayne, a three-time Showtime at the Apollo winner. I wouldn't be who I am if not for housing projects like this one right here. Folks were scared to walk through here. Nowadays, you walk through here and it's as clean as any other part of New York City. Thrillers family, you think I'm lying? <laughs> Ask your podcast host. He'll tell you that I'm not lying. What's this area like on Christmas Day? On Christmas Day, you hear Santa Claus come straight to the ghetto. <laughs> Santa Claus! Or well, this is St. Nicholas, straight right? To the ghetto. This is the St. Nick Project. There you man. go. Coming to Harlem, the vibe, walking the beautiful boulevards, the wide open streets. When walking these boulevards here, music coming from the cars, music coming from the windows, knowing old people, everybody know you, you know them. And it's a special holiday festive vibe here in the community that you're gonna find elsewhere. Not to mention the great shopping opportunities in Harlem. Buying those unique products again that you're not gonna find downtown. And what a about the opportunity to eat the delicious soul food, especially during the holiday season. Can't find that downtown, you gotta come uptown to Harlem. And imagine Thrillers family, imagine this. 
coming to a gospel church service in Harlem during the holiday season. If you are lacking Christmas spirit and you need some, come to Harlem on a Sunday morning. So for visitors and locals, Harlem has all of the holiday spirit of Midtown Manhattan, and it's much more fun and way less crowded. But I, of course, wanted to make sure we explore some of the other great cities who embrace the quintessential American superfluousness of Yuletide merriment in their own distinct ways. So I enlisted the help of Thrillist associate travel editor and noted lover of Christmas, Tiana Attride. What is my favorite Christmas travel memory? So my mom's family is from New Orleans. So I always say that Disney owes me royalty because Princess Tiana from New Orleans. Oh, yeah. Where's my money? Okay. Yeah, where's my money? Where's my money? I mean, New Orleans is just such an easy place to be in general. Like, the food is always good. The feasts are truly decadent. Honestly, it might be one of the better times of year to go down there if for no other reason than that you might not, like, drown in your own sweat from the humidity. (laughs) There's just as much stuff going on. But for me, it's always about family. I just associate it with my, like, great aunt and uncle's house. I have so many memories from that house that I miss a lot. No, I'm actually with you, Tiana. I always either went, you know, stayed at my parents' house or went to Pittsburgh to see my grandma. So I never really travel during Christmas, which kind of leads us to what we're talking about, you know, the three best places in America to go for Christmas. If for some reason you don't want to go home, there's plenty of reasons not to want to go home. If you want to to try something different one year, if you want to just experience some of the myriad and wild ways that Americans celebrate Christmas because... That's a big deal. Americans love celebrating Christmas, don't they? We really do. We really do. I feel like we're big holiday people in general. Like, but Christmas is Christmas is definitely the big one. I was on this like Harlem Christmassy theme tour, and this woman from Australia who just kind of like has been living here for the past few months was on it, and she was like, "People in America love holidays." <laughs> They're like, "I cannot believe we do. what people do for like." They're very committed. I love the fact that they throw themselves wholly into it. I mean, it's everywhere. The music, the decorations, I love it. It's full on. Is that not like that in Australia? I don't know. I mean, of course we enjoy Christmas and we like some lights and decorations, but I think Americans just do everything more. It was the same with Thanksgiving. It was so full on. Pumpkins everywhere. I love it. Are you kidding? I'm getting right into it. I'm going local for Christmas. Maybe it's something about Australia. Obviously, for the people, the people out there don't know, but my partner is Australian. He also agrees that, yeah, there's something about Americans and the holiday. It's like both an opportunity to just be ridiculous and over the top, eat a lot, and relish in capitalism. And what do we love more than that, honestly? Almost nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe like a cheeseburger, but that is part of capitalism yeah. in a way, a tiny part. <laughs> that's, that's capitalism and eating. Burgers and Christmas time. One and the same. Okay, so now that we got that out of the way, we should dig into your list. So yes, so I have three of the best cities for Christmas fun picked out right here. But I do want to start out with an honorable mention to our dear, dear friends in Santa Claus, Indiana. The whole frickin' town is named after the big man. We cannot leave them out. They've got Santa's Lodge. They've got a Christmas store and ornaments and toys and a big-ass Santa Claus statue that pays 
homage to to the guy in red himself. No, they've really they've really Wait. done it up out Is there. Is that so. what they call the guy we in love red? Y'all. The guy. In, I never heard um, that one. <laughs> you make I don't, that up? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I just made that up, but it's not. Is it? Is it a lie? What other guy in red is there? <laughs> All right, so we actually got kind of distracted here and fell down an internet wormhole about why the town changed their name from Santa Fe to Santa Claus. This is a very, this is a very subpar Wikipedia entry. It's just like, should we? It's just like, wait, we don't. Yeah, it's lost to legend. Should we throw out the rest of the episode and just investigate why this town is named Santa Claus, Indiana? Do we need to, do we need to take on the task of solving this mystery at some point? There's no legend though. It says it has roots both in fact and legend, and frankly, there's neither in this blurb. It's just like we, we don't know why. Fascinating. Um, yeah. If you, uh, I'm, I'll call them. I'm gonna call whoever I can in Santa Claus. Please do. My name is Melissa Arnold, and I'm with the Spencer County Visitors Bureau. Part of our mission is to promote the festive town of Santa Claus, Indiana, and I've actually lived here for about ten years. Well, the only version I know is the local legend. So the town used to be called Santa Fe. And many, 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 many years ago, the townspeople got together. They wanted to get a post office for the town. So they went and they applied, filled out all the proper information, but they were denied because there was already a Santa Fe, Indiana, too close to this location. So they kind of went back to the drawing board and they discussed, maybe argued a little bit, a lot of conversation about what to possibly name this town. Well, finally, it was Christmas Eve. They had a service in a small log cabin church. And after the service, the adults were talking, the kids were running around playing, and a gust of wind blew open the church doors. So the kids stopped and said, Santa Claus! And the adults said, yep, Santa Claus, Indiana it is. And the Santa Claus, Indiana post office was established in 1856. There's an annual Santa Claus Christmas parade. You can write your letter to Santa right here in the original post office. We are um, small but mighty, very festive, and it's more of a relaxing way to celebrate the holidays. Okay, now it's time for Tiana's picks for the best places to spend Christmas in America. At number three... It's New York City, oh. obviously. <laughs> People are going to get so mad because we always do stuff about New York. And this, uh, Like, I did a bunch of New Yorkie stuff, and we always do because I live here, but... Listen, it is you. not our fault. Yeah, yeah, it is not our fault. We can't help it up here. This one feels so obvious for the sole reason that there are so many flawless Christmas movies yeah, yeah. that take place in New York City. Obviously, you know, Miracle on 34th Street. You believe that you are Santa Claus. Yes, of course. Home Alone 2. Merry Christmas. Which, in your opinion, is it the better Home Alone? Or do you think that the first one is better? This is going to be a hot take moment. Here's the thing about Home Alone 2. I would say, like, the first half is pretty good when he does get lost in New York and there's all that New York-y Christmas stuff. Falls off the rails a little bit. It gets a little bit, uh... (laughs) 
formulaic. With they just... the bird lady. <laughs> I like the bird lady. Two turtle doves. Remember that part? <laughs> well, two turtle doves. Exactly. We all want to be... What's his name in that movie? Am I... Am I... I'm completely blanking on Macaulay Culkin's name in that movie. It was actually, he, play, he was playing himself. It was Macaulay Culkin. No. <laughs> I think like a common refrain for people who come to New York from other cities, other countries, is like when they walk around, it feels like a movie. Just because so many movies take place in New York. And I think in the Christmas season, that just gets exaggerated because everything is lit up. People are smiling. Yeah. Everybody's drunk. I mean, like, so, yeah, you have Elf. Of course, that's another yes. New York City classic Christmas classic. movie. That's movie. my favorite Christmas movie, I think. One, definitely, definitely, it's it's up there. I love that. I know him. But no, I think you're exactly right. I think New York is so grandiose at any time of year. I feel like we do that very well around these parts. I would argue that it's definitely like the most magical time of year to to be in the I think it's the it's best so time of fun. year to visit for sure, yeah. actually. And there are like, you know, there's the classic trappings of Christmas in the city. There's the Rockefeller Christmas tree. There's mm -hmm. the shops on Fifth Avenue. But then there's like, mm -hmm. you know, almost every little bar and restaurant you go into will have Christmas decorations. We'll be really turned up for that. The other day, I actually went to this bar in the East Village called Miracle on 9th Street that just looks like somebody went out decorating a suburban basement with like a bunch of old Christmas stuff. Obviously, I had to go there. <laughs> Miracle is a pop-up bar. In December, it takes over the space usually occupied by the Mezcal Bar cabinet. I happen to be sitting in the Hanukkah hideaway, but the rest of the bar basically looks like a Christmas tree exploded. You're surrounded by thousands of knickknacks, walls of vintage Santas, plastic reindeer, baubles on baubles, all alongside expertly crafted Christmas cocktails and a fitting soundtrack. Yeah, so the woman who created a lot of the drinks for Miracle, uh, Joanne Spiegel, and she actually runs Miracle nationwide, is Irish. And so she insisted on us putting some Irish songs on the playlist at Miracle. There's a, a, a Pogue song, which wasn't one I was very familiar with. She was like, you have to have that song on the playlist. Of course, we did. Greg Bohm is the owner of Miracle Pop-Ups, which you can find in hundreds of cities across the United States. My mom was actually traveling in Tibet and had a dream that I should open a Christmas cocktail bar, and we did it. Remember when Tiana said the bar looked like a suburban basement? She kind of nailed it, actually. Miracle's based on my grandparents' basement in White Plains, New York, and their house that was built in 1950s. So yeah, the decor that you'll find at Miracle, a lot of it are things that I have found over the years in antique shops. Every piece on the wall, every piece of decor at Miracle has to kind of tell a story, and it has to be something that evokes a specific nostalgic feel. It's really transporting. It is about having an experience that is all-encompassing. The success of the Miracle Bars proved two things. People love to drink spiked eggnog while listening to Jingle Bell Rock. I mean, duh. And the allure of the holidays is still enticing enough to facilitate entire businesses and create seasonal destinations from scratch. And note I said holidays, not specifically Christmas here. 
My family is Jewish, so uh, we did celebrate Christmas growing up. We always had a Christmas tree. Um, but I really thought, you know, just in mom's honor, we should have a Hanukkah area. And it's grown uh, year after year. So now it's like a full ink of very lots of blue and silver and people spinning dreidels. And we have a Hanukkah hideaway. So at this point, I went back inside for an eggnog with cognac. And speaking of well-deserved breaks, we're going to take one right now. When we get back, Tiana's top two Christmas destinations. And yes, we are getting out of New York, I promise. Stick around. We're going to mix it up a little bit. Obviously, everybody always thinks about a white Christmas. But I I say instead, why not, why not get a little bit tropical? So my number two pick is actually Honolulu. Like, if you're going to go down there, frequent local businesses so that big box hotels stop raising over people's land of their culture. All that being said, if you happen to find yourself on the big island around this time of year, you are in for a treat because there is something about seeing Santa Claus in red shorts and sunglasses on the beach that I just love. (laughs) There's just something truly fabulous about that image in my mind. I feel like all throughout Honolulu, I don't know, they really do it up pretty well. It's it's cool to see all the Christmas lights on like palm trees and all the streets decorated and stuff like that. They'll have like, you know, like Christmas beach walks and trolley tours and parades and Christmas luau's obviously and all that kind of thing. And I think that at uh the Sheraton there, the big hotel, they have a Santa sandcastle competition. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, they do. I have seen those. I don't I have no idea how people manage to do that kind of thing. How does Santa do anything he does? You know, the, you know the guy in red, it's Tiana. True. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of that guy, that guy in red. Yes, I've heard he does some pretty magical things, including in Honolulu. You can see him arrive to his Santa Claus meet and greets on an outrigger canoe. You don't need a white Christmas, just a white sand Christmas. Whoa, that should be the. I know. Look at me. Where's Hawaii's tourism board? Somebody hire me. (laughs) So Christmas in Honolulu means seeing the wildly festive display at City Hall, including a tree that rivals Rockefellers and giant statues of Santa and Mrs. Claus in their beach attire. But it's important for us to highlight some of the end of the year traditions of native Hawaiians. We have to note that the traditional Hawaiian celebration of Makahiki is not a direct analog for Christmas, but it's definitely a celebration of the same scale. Makahiki is not a focus on personal rebirth, personal salvation, but a focus on community and the rebirth of the land. Okay, aloha, I'm Leile Huayuan. I am a writer, educator, historian, artist, and have been teaching Hawaiian culture and arts since the 1980s. She's also a student of the stars and astronomy, particularly on the role they play in traditional storytelling throughout various cultures. I love that we can look at the stars and see the same, the same little bright dots in the sky but every culture is going to have their own interpretation. The Greek names that we have applied to these patterns are not the only way to look at it. And I think by looking at 
the constellations through various cultural lenses can kind of expand our minds and help us to see things in our own lives from a little different perspective and develop a greater understanding of the world around us and other people around us, other cultures. The celebration of Makahiki normally occurs in the waning months of the year, and it all begins with the stars. The constellation, known for its Greek name Pleiades, has a few different names in Hawaiian. I would use Hue Hue o Makali'i, the, the clustered gourds of Makali'i, for um, the Makahiki. So in the story, Makali'i is hunting for a wife and he sails along seeking and seeking his wife. And then as he's sailing, he sees this beautifully carved canoe baler floating on the surface of the ocean. It's inlaid with just gorgeous patterns of abalone shell that shines like the stars. So he sails up to the canoe baler and takes it and puts it in his canoe. And then he starts sailing home. And as he nears shore, everybody's like, oh, wow, my goodness, look, look at what's in his canoe. And he finally gets to shore and he turns around and looks and the canoe bailer has turned into a beautiful woman. So he found his wife. The Pleiades rises and some people's tradition is that starts the Makahiki. Traditionally, Makahiki was celebrated by a time of peace with no fighting allowed, playing games, eating feasts, which makes it all very much in line with so many other end-of-the-year celebrations around the world. They also gave gifts too, but according to Lelehua, that's just normal Hawaiian behavior. We are a gifting culture. So basically everything we do, every celebration is going to involve exchange of gifts. And in Lelehua's experience, as more native Hawaiians are beginning to embrace their own culture, Makahiki has become more widely celebrated during the holiday season. She even released an album full of Makahiki carols. Oh yeah, I definitely think a lot of people of Hawaiian ancestry are reaching back to their roots and exploring their culture and tradition through celebrations like the Makahiki. So it's, it's a wonderful vehicle for that search. So just a quick note, the bird sounds you're going to be hearing aren't something we added in. Lelahua actually did this interview right in front of her very lush, very active Hawaiian garden. They recreate the Makahiki banner, the, the Lono banner, and then it's decorated with other symbolic things such as lei and um, bird skins. They will bring offerings, much as people used to do. They'll have the games. Some people call it the Hawaiian Olympics. And to something that I find really delightful myself is people bring their makahiki offerings as stuff that can be donated to the local food basket. So throughout the makahiki season, they bring what in ancient times would have been offerings to Lono. They bring these offerings of things for the food basket. So I thought that was a really lovely way to continue the Hawaiian tradition. It's just one of the things you can do in Hawaii during the holiday season. I would suggest if people are really interested in learning more about Hawaiian culture, kind of vet your teacher. Make sure that the Hawaiian community thinks they're as wonderful because 
there's a lot of money to be made in marketing Hawaiian culture. So I don't know if you actually want to print that. That's kind of a downer for Christmas time. Yes, one more to go. Um, I don't know. Can we insert a drum roll here? I don't know if that's our style. Can we do drum rolls? I mean, yeah, um, I, guess, I think we do anything, really. As long as the sound exists, we yeah. can just like put it in there, right? That's true. Yeah, Name yeah. another well, sound. Drum roll, please. Name a sound, um, yeah. Uh, 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 sleigh bells, and I can't think of any Easy Christmas one. sounds. <laughs> I can't Christmas. think of any other... Okay, uh... <laughs> I can't think of any other Christmas sounds. Santa Claus laughing. Insert insert it all oh, right, oh, 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 right. What about here. like a sound that's not about Christmas, but is just just any any sound? The first sound that comes to mind is like the sound of traffic, but I don't. That's think... an easy one too. <laughs> I don't know. Cats meowing. <laughs> that's all I can think of. Our number one pick for the best Christmas town in America is the one and only Leavenworth, Washington. My greatest flaw as a travel editor, honestly, is that I'm a huge sucker for just like a good medieval fairy tale town. Yeah. I can't help myself. I think if you're immune to that kind of thing, you need to freaking lighten up a little bit and 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 just get the spirit. And this freaking town is exactly that. It just looks like a little Bavarian village covered in snow. And it's honestly beautiful at all times of year, like the spring, there's so many beautiful flowers. And obviously Washington is well known for just the most like fabulous mountains in the entire US. But around Christmas time, they just like really get in the freaking spirit. So they'll have like, you know, there's ice skating and, and Christmas markets. They have the most fabulous Christmas lights display surely in the country. I think the fact that the houses already look like nice little alpine huts just really gets, you know, twice as magical around this time of year because the light, the light displays are just like out of this world. We want us some of that. In the U.S., we don't have anything that old or frankly that charming. So we just kind of have to buy other people's stees, I guess. And if it's the stees of a German Christmas town, you know, why not? Appropriation, but I think it's okay. <laughs> Appropriation, but make it Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Why not? They even have like people in Lederhosen playing like polka music and the whole and the whole shebang. It's very, very deeply Bavarian. And then on top of all of that, they know that they're good because they have a gingerbread factory. It's like a little bakery. You can go and eat your little hearts out, and you can go to a Nutcracker museum which is also very cute. Truly, they they are just on top of their shit, Christmas-wise. And they pull it off really well. I think I think really what stands out about this one, along with the, it's, it's the, how the little alpine homes and buildings topped off by the snow and the Christmas lights. And then on top of that, you like turn around and look past all the decorated trees and stuff like that, and just have these like enormous freaking mountains. It's literally the closest you can get without just like straight up going to the North Pole. It's it's truly something. Or Germany, in this case. Or Germany, yeah. <laughs> A li- slightly more accessible, uh, but you know, <laughs> not where the guy in red lives. Why, did I really make that up? I could have sworn people said that. Chris Kringle, old Saint Nick, the guy True. in red. Literally there are 10 billion. Yeah, I guess guy in red. <laughs> 
Leavenworth, Washington remodeled its town after a quaint Bavarian village in the 1960s in an attempt to bring in tourists. And in this case, it totally worked. It's small enough to be something of a hidden gem, but big enough to have a Christmas village filled with shops and half a million lights, restaurants slinging schnitzel and beer, and a reindeer farm. It certainly has a little cheesiness about it, but in my mind, a little cheese is definitely okay, especially this time of year. In a culture and a country that goes absolutely overboard for the holidays, Leavenworth is Christmastown, USA and our number one pick. Tiana, thank you so much for coming. I appreciate this. Merry Christmas to you and yours. Oh, Will, Merry Christmas to you too. And Merry Christmas to our lovely listeners out there. <laughs> yeah. And Happy hey, New Year. Oh, I was going to say that. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you do it. This show is produced by myself and Mia Fask, edited and mixed by the otherworldly Dean White and Abby Austria. Special thanks to all of my bosses, Jim D'Amico, Megan Kirsch, Brett Kushner, and Emily Feld. That's it for us. Put your tray tables up, leave your shoes on, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.